Welcome everybody to Integrate Yourself. I'm your host, Allison Pillow, and you can find me at pureenergypdx.com. Today is a guest appearance uh, recording I did with uh, with Amy Fontier of Awakening Aphrodite podcast. Uh, she was really very sweet in letting me use this and repurposing it on my podcast. And the reason I wanted to do that today and share this with everybody is because I'm telling you all about my book in this podcast. I'm sharing every all the insights I share in the book that's coming out in February. Um, at the time that I recorded this podcast with Amy, um, I thought it was coming out in January, but it's actually coming out February 15th. It got pushed back a little bit. And uh, so this is something I don't have as much control over as when it's launching right now. I can push it back as far as I want, but as far as like releasing it earlier is a little bit out of my hands at the moment. So February 15th, it is uh, 2022 is when the book launches Finally Thriving. And I'm really, really excited about sharing all of this with you all because um this is something that has been in the works for some time now. It's come out a little faster than a book normally would, I suppose, but it still has taken uh, for the, the better part of a year to to come out. And, um, you know, it's, it is something that I feel really, um, really good about. It, it feels great to be able to create something and share that with everybody. So, um, Without further ado, I'm just going to introduce you to uh, Amy's podcast. Definitely subscribe to her podcast. She has a great show um, all about tapping into your feminine, learning more about yourself, and uh, really examining yourself more on a spiritual level and how that integrates with fitness. Today, I talked about with Amy, actually, this was uh, today, what I'm sharing, I should say, is I talked about spiritual and emotional fitness. So how does that, how do we bring in those aspects of ourself when it relates to our physical health? How do we bring in the aspects of spiritual and emotional? Because really, it, the body is the the last to really change when you change things from a spiritual and emotional perspective. Um, and then that trickles down into the body, which is the densest aspect of ourselves. And so that's why it's important to examine the spiritual and emotional first, um, or at some point in your journey, so that you can also have an effect on your body. Uh, and that's just, just from what I've learned is how it works. And it's really exciting and fun because if you know all about how to navigate that, which my book talks about, and I explain my journey and how I've learned this and what I've shared with my clients. If you can learn how to do that for yourself, the sky is the limit. So there's so much potential there to work with. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Amy's podcast, uh, Awakening Aphrodite. I had a great time on it. So uh, please subscribe to her show and enjoy today's show. Thank you so much. It's foundational to go about the 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 eating and the fitness first. We all have to address those first, but uh, we tend to get stuck in that. 
and Mm -hmm. uh, not go beyond uh, the physical. And I think it's really important for people to explore uh, the subtle energy body too and how that is having an effect on their physical body, how that's manifesting. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. So, in today's episode, I discussed with Allison Pilo several things about health and fitness and empowerment because she is an extremely experienced holistic fitness trainer, nutrition, and energy coach. And she specializes in the Czech system of corrective exercise, metabolic nutrition, and energetic alignment. Allison helps people feel strong and confident and calm, which I think is a very cool combination. Well, she also teaches them the practical energy skills that they can use in their lives, such as mindfulness, reflection, and affirmations that aid in aligning them much faster so they can reach their goals. She truly combines the brain-body connection in her work, which is part of why she's so successful. Allison holds a BS in exercise science from GA State University, and like I mentioned, is a certified Czech practitioner, which stands for Corrective Holistic Exercise Kinesiology, in case you were wondering. It is truly the best certification out there if you're looking for something not only that is rigorous, makes you earn it, but you're going to know your stuff afterwards, and most importantly, you're really going to help people. Allison has helped countless clients create the body and lifestyle they desire. And actually, she's just finished writing a book, which we talk about and her journey to writing that book. And it's due out in January. So that is something I'm going to look forward to. But in this episode, we get into one of my favorite topics, spiritual and emotional fitness, because that is really the key. And Allison talks to us about how to access your inner compass, how the fact that you are the guru, not to look outside yourself for the answers you seek and not give your power away. We talk about default settings of the mind for you to be aware of what yours is. Do you know what your mental default setting is? Well, it's probably responsible for a lot of your subconscious programming. You might want to be aware. We also talk about working on the relationship you have with yourself on the inside prior to going to the outside and a very cool discussion on body weight image issues, particularly after pregnancy. We talk about reality versus perception, how to cultivate a healthy perspective. She actually gets down to the nitty gritty and shares with us some practical tips of how you can do that right now and the importance of imagination and play in your life and how they are so critical to not only wake up your mojo, but your creativity and competition just squashes any creativity you might have. So I ask her about how we can access more of our feminine and balance being female entrepreneurs and running businesses and being busy with our masculine. And she shares with us how she does that and how we can prevent ourselves from being what's called having a amygdala hijacking going on, which is something you definitely don't want. It, it 
blocks your creativity. It makes you play small and it really makes you just shut down your life force. Lastly, Allison gives us some tips to dealing with criticism and online haters, which you definitely want to check out. And overall, we learned some practical tips for living a life with joy and bliss by incorporating all of who we are and some self-awareness. So let's get right into the show. Strap on your seatbelt and let's welcome Allison Pilo to Awakening Aphrodite. Allison, welcome to Awakening Aphrodite. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Where are you located, Allison? I'm located in Portland, Oregon. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That. And now, did you grow up there? I didn't. Actually, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. That's okay. I, I lived most of my life and then just uh, lived, have lived in Portland, Oregon for the past seven or eight years, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, what, what brought you out to Oregon? Well, um, I, I was really ready to have, uh, you know, live in a place that was aligned with my values. And so I was really, you know, after being involved with the Czech Institute, I, I got into the organic food movement and the food scene out here was pretty amazing. I was really impressed with all the, um, all the organic farming that was going on out here and everybody's, uh, loyal to, uh, local farming and the local, um, industry, uh, you know, every, there's a lot of local businesses here. Some of them have gone away after the, the past year and a half, but, um, for the most part, the local economy is, is very strong in Portland and, uh, as well as just so many things to do here. You know, you can go to the mountains, the, the coast, tons of hikes, really great exposure to nature. And so that's what I was craving, I felt like in Atlanta, um, as big as Georgia is, it's still, uh, you know, kind it is very closed in. There's a lot of people there. I was starting to feel like a sardine. And so I needed, I, I wanted to get out of the East coast. So I decided, you know, Portland at the time was pretty affordable for West coast living. So we decided to move the family out there and yeah, it just, again, just aligned with our values at the time. Things have changed a little bit, but that's so phenomenal, Allison. I'll tell you because I'm in the same position now that um, I'm actually looking to relocate, and uh, same same thing. You know, just you know, this whole thing with the whole uh, quote unquote pandemic situation. I, I feel like the the good that's coming out of it is is the the great awakening, and it's caused a lot of people to really reevaluate how they're living, what's important, what is true, what is not true, and what I'm doing with my life. And, uh, for me, I've always been a nature girl. I've always been, but you know, I like to be close to the city too, because I like to have, you know, access to things and I love the theater and, you know, nice restaurants, but most important to me is definitely communing with nature, being in nature. And, uh, this now for me was like the big push of like, all right, you really, you got to just do this. You got to do this thing. You know, I've always thought about California, uh, but I'm from the East Coast, and uh, it, that's like a big deal to move way across the country. You know, you're not just like a quick plane flight away. The time zone change, all that. But it's funny because I'm, I'm, re- I got that right in the forefront for me right now is uh, the possibility of relocating and all that that will entail. You know. So 
self-care is finally a cultural phenomenon. The hashtag self-care has appeared on social media millions of times. So why aren't we applying it to our health and wellness? Instead, we beat ourselves up for not finding time to exercise, or we work out so hard that we suffer from joint and back pain. We struggle with diet, stress, and insomnia. That kind of health and wellness just isn't relaxing. It isn't joyful, and it definitely doesn't feel like self-care. Finally, Thriving invites wellness into your life in a whole new way, bringing genuine self-care to your health and wellness routine. Learn how true self-care actually helps your body regenerate. Discover quick, simple exercises that build strength and flexibility, powerfully but gently, with hidden treasures along the way. Journal prompts, breathing exercises, relaxing meditations, and more. Merge your physical, mental, and spiritual wellness into one with Finally Thriving, and embrace a self-care wellness routine that will nourish every aspect of your life. If you want to pick up a copy of my book, Finally Thriving, head over to the link in my show notes. You can get it on Amazon. You can pick it up uh, as well on e- as an ebook or audiobook. It's available there too. And if you want to dive deeper with me, you can head over to my wait list link and join the wait list for the Finally Thriving program where we dive deeper into these aspects and learn more about ourselves. It's a three-month course and coaching program, and you get coaching from me every week. If you're ready to finally thrive, you can pick up a copy of my book or listen on audiobook, and this is going to take you through all the things, all the steps that I've brought my clients through and myself over 20 years of coaching, holistic health, wellness, and holistic healing. This is wisdom that will last you a lifetime. So follow the link on my show notes to pick up your copy of Finally Thriving so you can finally thrive. Yeah, yeah, it's a it is a big move and and the culture is very different and mm-hmm. um are you from Massachusetts originally? Yes, originally, which which is really weird because no one ever guesses it. And I don't either. I always say, I always say I'm the missing zygote. Like I was just like the baby dropped out of the sky by accident because I fell out of the basket. You know, I wasn't supposed to be put there. Yeah, I don't That's really. That's what I feel yeah. like about Atlanta too. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like the exact same. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how did I end up here? What, what uh-huh. the heck? So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So tell us about uh, you. Obviously, I mentioned it in the intro, uh, but how would you like to describe yourself to our audience? I can, I, as far as my career goes, I'm a, I've been a, a holistic personal trainer, nutritional lifestyle coach for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm, I'm stepping into more of a, of a, a speaker and author and I've written a book. And so that's my, been my career shift just recently. And, and the pandemic really helped with that. I, I was able to find the time to, write a book during that time. And I also was, you know, there's so much that transpired during that time <clears throat> that just brought me into a certain perspective where I was feeling like people were needing to hear uh, this. And, and, and we, and I felt like we took some steps back as well with our consciousness um, because of fear. And I felt like, man, I need to, I need to get this message out before 
people really uh, fall off the deep end with this fear thing, you know, and so I just started writing every morning. And, um, and so it took me on this journey of really understanding the the energetic and the physical and how they interplay. And, and, and so, uh, you know, more than I had ever before, because, you know, you've taken uh, Paul Check's classes before. And when I first took them, I was like, yeah, this is all, you know, intellectually, it makes sense. But really, bef- until we experience certain things in life, it's hard to tell um, how they integrate, you know. So how does your <clears throat> spiritual, how does your uh, energetic, subtle body, your subtle energetic body integrate with your physical? Really, how do those work together? And um, much of my book is about that. And diving deep into our self-awareness so for me it's been a real journey of just uh just surrendering to uh getting to know myself better learning more about myself through my perception and my relationship with other people and uh you know always coming back to that presence within and and so I'm finding that is really lacking lately because of the technology, the social media, uh, just media and news media in general. We're just being like really uh, taken away from our own inner guidance and our own influence. And I'm wanting to get people back on the on on track with that. So uh, for me, that's that's been my personal journey. And you know. When you do that, I want to share with people that you can find a really great inner sense of calm and confidence within that. And that's that's not something that you can really find outside of yourself. So um, it's important for for me to share and uh, and inspire people to do that for themselves. So that's really what I'm all about right now. (laughs) So can you share with us kind of where you're going in the book? Like, how are you helping people? access that part of themselves, the, the inner compass. Yeah. Yeah. That is a nice question. Yeah. So it, it's all about one of the things I talk about in my book is that you are, you are the practice. We tend to externalize our practice and look outside ourselves for a spiritual guru or somebody to tell us, uh, you know, what to do. And of course that's okay, especially in the beginning stages when you're learning more about yourself or you need that extra guidance or support. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Where we go wrong is when we, uh, when we give our power away and we start to think that somebody knows better than we do about ourselves, right? Because we ultimately, only only we know our own potential nobody else does all they can do is project what they're perceiving onto you or their stories or their experience what i realized was that you what is unique about you is your experiences is your perspective it's your energy it's your essence it's what you're here to do it's your desires it's all of that and and but we but we place so much more of who we are in more of our identity, more of what we look like, more of what uh, we're doing, you know, those kinds of things, which become very um, problematic because it's not really fulfilling, right? And it's not really honoring you. So what I do in the book is I take uh, people on a journey of learning more about themselves through getting clear on their values. Also, um, well, I'll start with actually default because I, I have a chapter called what's your default and, 
It's really about where does your mind go immediately? Like 90% of the time, what are you, what are you doing? You know, are you thinking about what can go wrong? Or are you thinking about what can go right? Mm-hmm. So that is half the battle right there, right? Just becoming aware of that. And then we look at what we're talk- telling ourselves 90% of the time. Are you being critical, judgmental of yourself? Uh, what kind of words are you using? Um, and so again, we're looking at how we're talking to ourselves. Are we being, you know, are we using words like, gosh, you're so stupid, or I can't believe you did that, you know, you're just, uh, or you saying, oh my gosh, you know, I made a mistake. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll do the best I can to, to, you know, re- rectif- remedy that mistake, you know, and, and then you mm-hmm. do the best you can and you move on and you take responsibility for it, but you don't beat yourself up about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's really discerning between how we, what our relationship is like with ourselves first, which is not what we're taught. And then you can, then you can extend that out to other people and other relationships. But what we so often do is we try to work on the outside relationships by getting people to do what we want or what we expect or, uh, you know, what we feel like the people are obligated to do within a relationship instead of looking at our own relationship with ourselves first and, and, and then extending it out to other people. And so I, I have learned that over the years through my own relationships, but really it's, um, it's so important and, in this day and time with of, of reacting to each other instead of really responding and uh and you know acknowledging each other we're dismissing each other we're reacting to each other we're proving and defending i see a lot of that going on and it really it it, it you know it's it's uh it, it's an extreme it's an extreme that we're that's showing up in our world right now because it wants to be notice so that we can shift that right yes and there's so much I want to say on this because for me like my real uh passion is about emotional and spiritual mental fitness you know I'm just like you I I had beginnings in the physical uh you know through personal training I was the aerobics instructor in the 80s I was always the athlete in school and all that stuff and I actually was uh overweight I was always like the cute chubby girl, you know, but I was overweight and then I lost all this weight and the whole world treated me so differently. And so obviously, you know, the mind body connection, then I was thinking differently. And then, but then I got caught up in that whole superficial thing, uh, because of all the attention and all that stuff. Um, but it's really been an interesting thing to realize like, uh, you know, it is important though. I mean, we all want to look good. We all want to feel good, but we don't, I don't think we realize how so much of our life experience is, is so subjective and it's just the way it is. It's not, not like we're doing anything wrong. It's just the nature of things. And that because it's subjective, uh, you know, it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's accurately reality. And like you said, people sometimes, we project our own expectations or thoughts or fears or whatever on other people, but we believe that we have an accurate depiction of what's really happening here, what they really said and what they didn't even really say that. And it's just, 
it's so murky, Allison. You know, it's like, how do we make sense of the world when it's like, we're not really operating with a full deck, so to speak. You know, we only have our perception of reality, but it's not necessarily reality at all, but we're trying to navigate our way. And then we've got our unconscious fears and things we project. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that's a great point to bring up, Amy, because I, I always tell people if you got to build a good foundation first uh, in order to mm -hmm. handle that kind of stuff. So again, our frame of reference, it, you know, where we're coming from, it, it, it shapes our perception, right? So it's like being, it's like looking in one of those funhouse mirrors, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, or even just a mirror in general, all of them are kind of different. They're a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to try something on, that mirror looks a little different than the one you have at home. Which one is correct? Which one is reality, right? I've thought about this because of body image stuff. I'm like, I feel yeah. terrible sometimes when I look at myself in a mirror at, um, or, you know, I've been in the past, like when I was really, you know, this, well, I go back a little bit when I was pregnant and then after kids and having to get my body, you know, back into shape, I went through this, this, um, you know, awkward phase of like, oh my God, if, you know, cause I was an athlete, I was a gymnast for so long and very, very used to being in control of my body and, uh, being really fit. And then when I was, you know, after pregnancy, I was, that was just not the case anymore. And all of a sudden I had this distended belly and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And, and it really bothered me for a long time. And, uh, but the point I'm making here is that when I would go to, uh, and it still happens every once in a while, but that I remember, you know, uh, this, what I'm going to share is that, um, you know, I'll go to these fitting rooms and, and the mirror would make me look like, I'm like, gosh, am I really that? Did mm -hmm. I gain some weight? Do I really look like that? Like, this is, I don't really like what I'm seeing, you know? And then I'd, I'd go to a different mirror later and I'd see something different. Oh, this is nice. Wow. I'm looking good to I'm buying this mirror. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and then I started to occur to me, like, how much am I just responding to these uh, different distortions of reality in the moment? Like, why is this bringing up such an emotional charge within me when it might not even be a true reflection of what I actually look like, you know, but yet I am I'm getting emotionally attached to this. Right. And so I'm like, that's so silly. Why don't I just like take you know, take the one that i look really good in and let's go with that one and let's let's, let's agree that that's my reality you know mm -hmm. so it's again like going back to the default thing it's like what's your default what what is the harm in looking at the glass half full right like what what would be so bad about that but yet we're trained to you know look at all the the glass half half empty like what's gonna go wrong when's the other shoe gonna drop you know mm. like i gotta be ready for this and and so yes you can and i'm not saying to um deny reality you know you can also you know be in reality and 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 see the potential in it you know without having to look at the doom and gloom of it that's just what we've been taught um mm -hmm. and you know for for good reason i mean we it's it's been passed down from generation to generation it's a survival mode thing understandably you know so it's understandable why we would go back to that especially when we're in some kind of a crisis but it's not really it's not really uh serving you when you're when you're looking at your body 
and you're thinking, oh my God, you know, like, um, you know, I look terrible and you're saying all these terrible things to you. You know, it's like those little things that are happening that are building up to your self-perception and then how you're extending that out into the world. Um, so that's going to be skewed. But my what I want to come back to is getting a, your, your healthy perspective comes from eating healthy, comes from exercising your body. It comes from getting mental stimulation as well. Um, using your imagination, which we don't talk about a whole lot either. It's very important, very important. And also just playing, you know, so we have to have um, all those components in place, uh, especially now more than ever. Um, I've heard so many people tell me they felt like a caged animal, which is a very, um, very much a learned helplessness state to be in. So again like getting to a place of play is also equally as important as as you know learning how to eat better um incorporating that in into your into your routine so you can start to manage your blood sugar better so you can start to build an inner sense of calm and um and with the exercise getting that body moving and circulated too you know and so they all fit together to build this healthy foundation for you to have a healthy perspective because again your perspective being off is an indication that your health is off right yeah right on can you give us some examples of play because when when you know that's kind of a popular thing right now adult play and all that and we're all at least thank goodness the world is learning the importance of play and the function of play the critical uh existence of play is very, very important in our lives. But then you say, you know, when's the last time you played or people like, well, what do I do? You know, they don't even know how to play anymore. So in your book or maybe with your clients, what do you recommend to people for play? Well, first I want to, I would just want to acknowledge how, how challenging it's been the past couple of years, because it's been a very conditional thing, you know, like you can only do this if you've, you know, you're wearing a mask or you're getting vaccinated or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, so like, um, so now we have conditions for play, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but you don't have to always, you know, go under, you know, we don't have to always follow the conditions, right? But again, just being aware of that is really important um, to know, like, are you are you following conditions to play, you know, or are you just letting yourself play? You know, mm-hmm. are you allowing yourself to do that? And even before uh, this past couple of years, um, you know, we did have still have conditions like, oh, I, I can't play until I get all this work done. I can't play mm-hmm. until, um, you know, I get you know, to this point, or I have to do all these other things before I can play, you know? And so, um, it's just, you don't have to do that. You can just play right now, you know? Um, and play can be a lot of, you know, it can, it can take on a lot of different kinds of expressions. It can take on through your, you know, through you, through singing, it can take on, uh, through dance, you can take it on through dancing, uh, I do a lot of impromptu dancing in my kitchen when I'm cooking, singing too. Uh, you're just really just taking on the playing to me is just taking on an energy, you know, and just and mm-hmm. playing with that energy, right? So, um, uh, you know, if you want to, 
you know, become something, just start playing around with that energy. So for example, you know, you want to become a, an entertainer, you want to become a comedian or something like that, just start doing it in your everyday life, you know, with people that you come across, you can do it on, you know, on your own, just start taking on the energy of that, of humor, take on the energy of entertainment, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I've got to do all this stuff to get ready for that. You can just start doing it now. So play can come in many different forms. It can also come in the form of art. So what do you love to do, you know? And I think people have, no, I don't think, I know people have a really hard time uh, playing and then, but they don't only have a hard time with that, they have a hard time also with uh, imagining what they really want to do, you know? Like there's, we, we have not, it goes back to school, right? Or, or school days when we were taught creativity was like, you know, only for artists or, you know, um, mus musicians or people who were born to do that. Right. But really or art class, art class, <laughs> that that, class only for yeah, art that, class, yeah, uh -huh, no, nothing exactly. else. Right. Mm -hmm. We can't be creative in any other, mm -hmm. you know, places in our life. But, but really, the reality of it is, is that we can be creative at any point in our life, anything. You can be creative when you're talking to somebody. You can be creative in your movement. You can be creative in any expression you'd like to have. You can be creative with art as well. There's so many different expressions of art. And, um, you know, through fiber arts, through painting, through, um, you know, voice, music, those kinds of things. It's just really infinite it's really amazing so those are those are great outlets and um what I, I you know i like to switch it up from time to time and focus on uh you know one way of expression and i'll switch over when i'm ready to different way of expression and um but first um my my personal hurdle was really getting to a place where i could imagine um you know something i really wanted to do because i had so uh I call it like using your imagination muscle. You have to train it just like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just don't, and it, yeah, I, I think we, we, I would say, especially this past two years, we, we, there's this term called amyg amygdala hijack and it's when your brain goes like into a fight or flight mode and you have almost like blinders on, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it gets stimulated through fear and, um, there was a book called, I, th I believe it's called emotional intelligence is where that yeah. term came from. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so many people have been in that. And so, but when you're in that kind of mode in, in a fight or flight or survival mode, you're not able to be creative, right? It's just, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, therefore, we got to get ourselves out of that survival mode in more of a calm, calm place to be creative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and my 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 advice would be just to start imagining possibilities first. You can write them out. You can meditate on them. It, it, the sky's the limit. It really doesn't matter. I remember when I first started really working my imagination muscle. I put limits on myself around it. And I was like, why am I doing this? Why is this so hard to imagine something I really want? Mm. And I realized it was because I was putting myself into uh, this small box of reality. I wanted to stay safe. 
I, I, I didn't want to go outside that box because I, you know, I was like, I want to limit, you know, I didn't want to like put myself out there. You know, I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to look stupid, you know, or get, be judged. And that's a to totally normal thing for most people. But what that does is it stifles our creativity. It stifles our gifts that we are meant to, to share with the world. It stifles our true essence, really who we are, um, by playing small. And, you know, again, we all have, we all have our timing on that and we're ready to, to play bigger. But uh, my best advice to my clients, especially as it relates to their body and if they're trying to go through a change, like what you described, you have to use your imagination to visualize a new body, right? A new way of being, a new energy. So the energy that you're taking on has to be different than what you left behind. Right. And I think to your point, uh, it's definitely taps into like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, though. Uh, and you, and you, as you mentioned that, you know, we, ca we can't really be that creative and have that strong access to the sense of play and feeling that imagination when we don't have our basic survival needs met. You know, if you're in pain, if you have like chronic back pain, there's nothing more distracting than pain. Like, forget it, you know? And, and even if you, you are probably like me, like how many times have you heard people say, I eat a really good diet, but you know, it's like, well, then you're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what I say. Like, if you're not getting the results you want, you have to have an open mind to do it a different way because something's not working. Are you on any medications? Are you overweight? Can you sleep? Do you have bad skin? Do you have bad breath? I mean, all these things are feedback from our bodies, how we're doing. They're our report card. And no, it's not your genetics. We know by epigenetics and all the research done now that it's the expression of the genes and how you live your lifestyle that pulls the trigger of that gun. And, but to your point, I think we're at a very interesting time in like humanity as a collective in that many of us have our basic human needs met, shelter, you know, virtual safety, I guess, is relative term safety. But, you know, we, we have enough food on the table. It might be crappy food, but there is food on the table. You know, clean water right now. Uh, but to access these higher realms of self-fulfillment and uh, being like, you know, creative and, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And having the ability to feel like you have agency over that um, is kind of a, uh, what's that saying? It's a... a first world problem or third world problem. Yeah. You know, that saying like it's, it's a, it's a luxury to really have that ability because if you don't have your basic foundational needs met, you really can't go there, you know? So that's why our work is so important as holistic practitioners that we, we, we recognize that we have to bring it all together. You I'm sure recognize as a coach, you have to get your client's diet dialed in first so she's thinking right, or he's thinking right, you know, because those molecules are made by food, the brain chemistry, and et cetera, et cetera. And if you're not sleeping, I know I don't like myself when I'm sleep deprived. I'm, I annoy myself. Everything annoys me, <laughs> you know, so all of it goes together. And I sure am not going to feel like painting if I'm too tired or, you know, I'm hungry. I can't focus, you know, so... Yeah, you can't address the spiritual, uh, even emotional stuff until you really get a good foundation, like you're saying, of food and, and fitness in there. 
um, and then you can address that stuff on a on more and being more grounded, you know. And but it's really hard to address the the emotional spiritual body without getting the physical body, uh, you know, healthy first. Um, although you know, uh, you know, sometimes you know, disease pops up for people because it's like saying, "Hey, pay attention to this," and so that's another way of of teaching someone hey your body you know take care of this body right now take care of your spiritual needs take care of your emotional needs too and and um and yeah it's you know so yes our you know for the most part many people in the united states they have food on the table they have shelter uh obviously the the homelessness is coming up pretty pretty strong in many cities it's there's a lot of homeless here in in portland and and um you know a lot of unknown lately too and so uh yeah i mean just going back to the basics with people um and just learning how to take responsibility and take care of themselves and and learn how to manage their their health and and even their even their money which is very you know uh foundational for feeling safe and secure you know we have to mm-hmm. we have to have it to you know to be able to buy the food to put the shelter um in place and and so uh those are all really important foundational things before you can do much much work spiritually but um you know that's the way i would go about it of course like i said sometimes people go about it by having a crisis and then they and they get into the spiritual that way too. And that's another way you can go about it. But, um, but for me personally, yeah. And I love what you brought up too, Amy, about the pain thing. Cause yes, that's a good point. And I've been in severe back pain before and it's very hard to be creative or, mm. or have fun when you're in, in so much pain. So getting Absolutely. out of pain first too, and really uh, hiring someone to help you with that pain, I would, I would highly recommend instead of trying to figure mm-hmm. it out yourself. Cause if you're in that state, it's really hard to do that. So mm-hmm. um, definitely those are the things that we want to address first is, is kind of, is, uh, you know, getting out of uh, the survival mode stuff. Right. And then in order for us to really thrive, truly thrive, then we get into our emotional bodies and we start to uh, really explore those aspects and, and take ownership of our, of our feelings, of our emotions and how we're responding to the world. Right. And only then can you ha- be at a higher spiritual level, um, so to speak, because, uh, you're now navigating that, um, with a little bit more grace and ease. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of what I'm talking about is a lot of, uh, much, much self awareness and, and inner work and, and how that translates to your, um, to your physical work too, because as you probably know and have experience with clients, people always, um, and again, you know, it's, it's foundational to go about the, 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 the eating and the fitness first. We all have to address those first, but, uh, we tend to get stuck in that and mm-hmm. uh, not go beyond uh, the physical. And I think it's really important for people to explore uh, the subtle energy body too, and how that is having an effect on their physical body, how that's manifesting. Plus, if they were more aware of it, even when they're in that you know beginning physical focus stage, if you will, 
wow, they're going to get results so much quicker and easier if they, if they incorporate all of it at the beginning, you know, so you don't have to wait until, oh, wow, I'm getting older. Uh Oh, I got a, I got a, um, I got a wake up call that I'm realizing I'm, I have to be more than just a, a face or a body. Otherwise I'm going to feel terrible about myself and lose everything in my life. You know, you eventually we all learn that. But if you kind of realize that from the onset, oh my gosh, if I could address the whole package, uh, not only is it going to be easier, but it's going to be a lot more enjoyable for the ride. Yeah. And, and even, even beyond that, you, you start to learn how to live a joy, uh, uh, live a life of joy and bliss mm-hmm. and come, you know, come at it from a place of, wow, you know, I don't know if I agree with that person, but man, I'm so, I so appreciate their perspective and where they're coming from. And, oh my God, like I've just recently uh, hit this, this point in my life where I'm becoming more of the observer and really enjoying it. Like that's, I tell. I get, yeah, my, mm. my feminine is strong right now. I like feel mm-hmm. really good in the feminine, which again, like I've, been mostly you know getting through life with the masculine and pushing through and hustling and doing all these things and then i was like wow this is really not working for me anymore and so i've become like i said the observer and what i'm noticing is i'm appreciating people again even if i don't like i'm like ah, that doesn't really resonate with me like that's not how i would go about it or really what but i appreciate them so much for for bringing that perspective to the table or having that talent or having that gift because i don't want to do that there you go (laughs) so they're doing the work for me and i'm like great Mm -hmm. that's really amazing because that that comes in handy you know even people who are so-called bad like are triggering triggering people right now um, they're triggering you. So see what comes up there. See what, uh, what is that telling you about yourself? Mm. Yeah. So, cause mm-hmm. ultimately, um, and again, we have all, I'm sure many of your guests are probably have heard this before if they've been in the spiritual realm for a while. Um, but it truly, we are all, um, there's a oneness there, right? So we're, we're really just seeing ourselves and parts of ourselves and other people, but it's all just you. And so that's why I go back to saying you are the practice. Sometimes it's though very hard to, uh, acknowledge or experience that because you know, it's so real, like it's so real. Like I'm, I think I'm talking to Amy, but I'm really talking to myself, you know? And so same for you. So it, if we can start to, cause like I see so much, uh, there's so much meanness going on right now between people and just, even just in media, just like with this whole, like, I don't know if I could bring this up on your show. I feel like you just had a show about the Vax thing, but no, please. I'm, I'm noticing open conversation. Okay, good. So mm, absolutely. Um, well, I'm just noticing this uh, this level of um. Well, there's no compassion. I feel like for either side in some ways. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's people saying there's there's no compassion for people who have had adverse reactions or have had people that they love have terrible reactions to the vaccine. Um, and then there's also no compassion for people who have been vaxxed and feel like that was the right decision for them. And so there's this like this separation and this in this real um, just hatred for, Animosity. for each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I've never seen anything like this before. I, um, you know, I had a really 
for me, the wake up call was when my son, he was, he, he was 18 months at the time he had the MMR vaccine and he had a terrible, he had seizures afterwards. And then oh. I was like, wow. and I didn't know anything about this back then. And, mm. and so it was a shock to me. And, uh, you know, then I experienced the doctors lying to me. Lied about what? Well, so he had the seizures and we said, you know, we had gotten a sheet of paper. This was a week after the he got the vaccine he got he got he started throwing up he started having diarrhea and throwing up at the same time and had a high fever and then he started having seizures right after that and so um the paper that they give you it will give you after the vaccine it'll give you um you know uh it, it'll say okay one in fourteen thousand have will have this afterwards right and it was to a t exactly what happened to him i was like surely this was the vaccine this this it says it on the paper it's right here and my pediatrician said oh no no it's not the vaccine i think he has epilepsy and i was like really and of course i was like devastated as i was like well how did that happen and that doesn't make sense either you know and i and again i hadn't been exposed to any of this i wasn't even involved in the czech institute at this time so i really didn't know that this was going on and and we were at the time very close to uh, the cdc we were at the um in in like the emory area and so um we had a neurologist come in and, and give and check him out. And he was also saying the same thing. Like it, no, they just were like very dismissive of the vac vaccine, having any part in it. And I was like, well, it seems obvious to me that that would be the case. My husband and I were looking mm -hmm. at each other. What the heck is going on? And the nurse comes in. She's like, what do the doctors say? And we told her and she's like, oh, that's what they all say. Mm -hmm. she's like, They have to say that. Of course. And so that was when we woke up to what the heck is going on here? What, what's, mm -hmm. why are, why are they, like, we just couldn't believe it. It's exactly what's going on right now, too. What I did after that, after that experience years ago was I started to learn more about this and learn more about vaccines and learn more about the immune system and how the immune system works. And what I'm seeing now is that there's a lot of uh, misinformation being put out about yeah. how the immune system works. And even mm -hmm. like some things have, some definitions have been changed, like herd immunity um, and case studies. Like those didn't mean the same thing as what they're saying they mean now. Hello, the word vaccine. It's, this shot is not a vaccine. It, no, it, it's genetic mutation. Exactly. In the definition as we know vaccine, this doesn't even uh, apply. And they're using that term to behoozle everybody into thinking they're getting a vaccine and they're not. So people don't even know what they're putting in their body. I mean, that's like you mentioned, we could do a whole show on just that. It's a complete whitewash brainwash campaign. And it's, and, and who are the victims? Uh, I mean, we are. Well, but yeah. And, and it's an experiment that's going on right now. So again, um, you know, I, I really don't want to see, I have, there's so many people I know that have been vaccinated. They have. Yeah. I mean, lots of my clients and, and yeah. some of my family members. And I told, you know, I told many people, I said, just wait and see what happens, you know, just wait, give it time, you know, because I mean, I know my stance on it, but I, you know, I know other people were, were, were contemplating whether to do it. And 
I said, just wait. I especially told my mom, I said, please just wait and just see what happens, you know, see what, mm -hmm. you know, how, cause this is so experimental. Mm -hmm. And of course, no. people just went ahead and got it. Of course. Cause they're, they, they're just believing the narrative is true. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're trusting that people have integrity and are telling the truth. Yes. And so, yeah. And, and, and to some level. And so it's really weird to me that people wouldn't look at people who have had adverse reactions to this or look at, or just, you know, be, want the information, mm -hmm. right? Want to have informed consent, have the whole story. You can't make the right decision if you don't have all the information. Exactly. And and people are, and I've heard some pretty bad stories. Like some people have some serious neur neurological issues after this. And I, people have died. <laughs> I mean, does it get more serious than that? Vera's is saying last I saw it was like 9,000, but I don't know how many of those get reported. So, and I was just going to say that that's like, it, it can be like your son's vaccine situation. I mean, how many actual are there, but nobody ever classifies them or categorizes them as associated with this shot. Well, so. yeah, they've made it. Um, they've actually made it. I believe seizures don't count for, mm. um, for being able to report, uh, adverse reactions. <laughs> Wow. After the vaccine, for some reason, I can't remember why that reason is, but um, yeah, for, they can't report. <laughs> because the numbers would go really high. Uh, well, tell us, though, Allison, just to kind of revert back to where you were at, because I, I, I'm really curious to know. And it's a big part of my show is uh, the reason well, part of the reason why I named the show Awakening Aphrodite is because I lived most of my life very much in my masculine energy. You know, I believe that we're, we all have both energies and really true wisdom is about having the discretion to know when to tap into which one to get the outcome that you want. Well, I grew up with living almost predominantly in my masculine energy. Lots of reasons for that. Um, but I now am really interested in integrating all of me, which is that beautiful feminine essence as well. And you as a gymnast and a female entrepreneur, obviously you mentioned, you know, you were also in your masculine. So tell us your journey of how you've navigated now to integrate all of who you are as a woman. Yeah. So gosh, yeah. As a gymnast, I would say, uh, you know, I really got into gymnastics because I really wanted to experience that kind of uh, you know, tumbling and going upside down and experimenting what I could do with my body. And uh, I feel like I had like a natural knack to do that already. I was already doing gymnastics moves in my backyard, um, you know, taking the swing sets off the, the metal swing set frame and standing on top of it and balancing, walking across. Oh, I would man. do crazy stuff like that. You're and my brave. parents were like, get, get down. I was like, hey, look at me. I'm up here. You know, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. I had no fear. Apparently. So they were like, wow. we must get her in a gymnastics class so she uh -huh. doesn't get hurt. And they thought, oh, it'd be, you know, they thought she'll be interested in, in, in for two weeks and then she'll probably quit. Well, I ended up doing it from the age of five until 21. And I did college gymnastics as well. And, you know, it, it was competitive. So uh, anytime you get competitive, 
creativity goes out the window because oh. you know that you can't have both, right? Pressure. Yeah. So um, we're seeing that in real time. With I just heard this morning that Simone Biles t- uh, is she opted out of, because there was so much pressure. Oh, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, wow, that never mm-hmm. happens. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So. Um, it is very high pressure sport and um, you have to, there's so many things um, that they have done that have been a little bit better now, but it's still very, um, it's a lot of pressure. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it for a very small amount of performance time mm-hmm. and uh, you have to get through the pain. Otherwise you're not going to make it very far. So when I, you know, as a gymnast, um, I push through the pain. I push through the pain both emotionally and physically. And, uh, you know, at, at, at some point I didn't really, I wasn't able to discern between emotional and physical pain, right? Because it just seemed all like the same thing, you know? Or, or, and so I would suppress my emotional pain so much um, over the years and then finally, uh you know, I, I believe it was with Paul check and I, I was at a conference in Atlanta and I go over to the booth because I'd seen him on uh, insider training with Gabrielle Reese. I was like, I got to meet this guy. I want to train like that. I want to know more. And so he, I go to his booth. He's like, nobody's there. I'm like, for whatever reason, like that's not ever, you know, yeah. usually nice. there's a crowd of people yeah. around and, I go over to the booth and he, and he's, you know, I introduce myself and he takes my hand. As soon as he takes my hand and in his hand, I start bawling. Oh, no. Not really? Wow. Yes, I just start this emotion. He's probably used to it. Me. He's probably yeah. used to it. Yeah. I mean, I think he wasn't surprised. And, mm-hmm. and he told me that wow. um, he said, I'm going to be really successful. And at that time, I was taken aback by that. And I was like, Oh my God, like, really? Like, I couldn't believe that. Couldn't believe that myself. And, you know, of course you're thinking, well, what does that mean? You know? And, mm-hmm. and so, um, but I, what I realized at that time was, oh my God, I've been suppressing so much. This right. needs to come out. It came out of you. Wow. I can't do this anymore. It felt like after a while I was pushing a, a beach ball under the water and holding it down. Mm. I just couldn't hold it anymore. Right. So, um, so at that, after that point, that was my journey on the emotional, uh, you know, a wellness train where, where I would, you know, go to the Czech Institute uh, trainings. And then I would also, I got involved. Um, I met JP. He was one of my first, uh, JP Sears was one of my first teachers. Oh, wow. That's ALC. way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so he introduced me to uh, Journeys of Wisdom with John McMullen. And I got into that and I started learning how to emotionally navigate much nice. better. And then of course, um, now I'm, I study with Roseanne and, uh, and she's helping me with the energetic components. And I have another coach that I work with in the energy realm. So this really, I think, okay, so this, this would be the best thing, uh, I guess for me is what has worked is not over intellectualizing energy, Nice, <laughs> you know, so not making it too complex, um, and embracing the beauty of it and the essence of, of really who I am and, and I believe that um, curiosity, my curiosity has led me to become more creative, which has really helped me with my feminine as well. So 
um, what I realized was when you hold back and you try to control people's perception of you, this is not feminine. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you, you are feminine when you are, are, you know, are you, when you're being spontaneous, when you're having fun, when you're playing, when you're letting people witness you in a joyful, blissful state. Because ultimately, we all have that in us, right? It's not just women. We all have it. And when you can also witness that in other people, then you can start to um, do that yourself. So again, it all goes back to play and um, being in the moment with your play. Like if you feel inspired to do something, don't hold back. Do it. You know, if you want to sing in the grocery store for a quick second, do it. See what happens. You know, it can be life can be performance art. You can just see how people respond and you can have fun with that. You know, it's like, let's stop judging ourselves so much and, and criticizing for 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 not for stuff that just really doesn't matter. You know, like and if you look at it, because what I learned was. I was looking at people who do these kinds of things and I was like, people love that, you know, like I love it. You know, I love seeing that someone being spontaneous and just doing a quick impromptu dance or singing or something like I wish I could do that. I'm like, I can do that. So, you know, right. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So I always had this like vision or this dream of people um, like being at the grocery store and we all just like do this. We just, we, this song comes on, we all just start dancing together, you know, like, so it, it's just like that I feel like is, um, you know, symbolic of life. Like we, we just all need to just not take life so seriously, right? right Stop on. taking life Amen. so seriously mm -hmm. and like, you know, have fun in every moment that you possibly can laugh, sing, dance, do those kinds of things that will get you back in your feminine. You're going to start noticing more beauty in the world. You're going to start noticing more beauty in other people, you know, but it's when we resist, when we stiffen up, when we try to put that armor on and, um, you know, it's not to say don't set boundaries certainly do, but at the same time, you want to uh, be open. So being open is very feminine and, and learning how to receive as well, which I talk in my book. And um, that's a hard one for a lot of people receiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are the practices that really led me to becoming more in my feminine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, receiving is like, that's a practice within itself. Like if someone wants to give you something, accept it. <laughs> gracefully without feel without feeling you have to reciprocate right because how many times that's it you feel like oh no I you know I, let me give you something you know yeah I struggle with that myself well I love how you talk about uh you know play is the energy you mentioned that a little bit earlier and it's so true it's like and to your point right now it's like the energy you're bringing to the moment can be playful, can be jovial, can have a lightness to it. What does it feel like? The how behind you're doing what you're doing is just as important as the what you're doing, you know? So you bring that feeling, that essence of play, of lightness, of softness, of openness uh, to the activity, even if it's making dinner, doing the laundry. Sometimes I remind myself of that. Like, how can I make this a little more fun for me? If it's something I got to do, 
you know, rather than just like every day is Groundhog Day, you know, struggling through life one foot at a time, that foot much closer to the grave, you know, it's like, how can I make my life more fun? The stuff I got to do. I mean, and that's where your imagination and creativity comes in, right? That is right. Yeah. You, it's really, it comes down to what you really want, it, it, which is so funny. We don't, we, we rarely like look at that, but what do you really want? And for some people, you know, for me, especially in the beginning, it brought me some anxiety. I was like, I don't know what I want. I've never right. really, I, I mean, I feel like I got to commit to this or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. But Pressure. you don't have to, <laughs> it can always change and it can be many things. And and really, it's it might be a little messy at first, but um, what you do is you discover, you know, it, it is it it is a practice at first because you it, it's a practice of learning what you want out of what you've learned, what you should want, and what you really desire. Yes, so, you're programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you'll know because it'll be fulfilling. So if you're if you're meeting your needs as far as your desires go, mm. it'll be fulfilling. If it's not, then it's probably something that you were you learned or that you you feel obligated to want because of societal norms or what you learned in your family. You know, so um, that's going to be the difference. It's going to feel different, right? But Allison, what would you say to people who, if they think about what they want, then they feel selfish or guilty? So what would your answer be to people like that? Well, I do want that, but of course, but I can't because, you know. That's a good question. We all go there because, again, that's something we've been taught and yeah. uh, not to be selfish. But mm-hmm. being selfish is like in a I call it like um, there's a you know, there's a narcissism. It's not about narcissism. It's about you giving um, to yourself so that you can give to others. Right. So mm-hmm. um, if you're not doing that, if you're not being selfish to some extent, then you're not really able to give to other people either. Uh, so again, it's that act of receiving. And when you know what it's like to receive, then you know how gratifying it is to give, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until you really do learn how to receive, you're not ever going to really give at, from a place of non-obligation, right? Because you're always going to, it's going to be conditional. And you're always going to be in deficit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that um, part of this is to acknowledge our own desires instead of um, seeing other people acquire, you know, that in their life or, or, or acknowledge their desires. And then you're like, ah, you know, there's jealousy or there's, uh, or there's admiration or, or, you know, thinking that they can do it and you can't and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. instead of you just doing that for yourself. Um, you know, for example, like I, I, I spent all these years, like looking at Instagram, seeing all these people successful writing books and, and, and thinking I can't do that. And, and, mm. and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, making myself feel bad about that. And then I'm like, well, why don't I just write a book? <laughs> right. Hey, there's an idea. If this yeah. is what I really want right. to do, then right. I should just do it, you know? You and know. so I yeah. did and, and it felt great. And I did, and it was a desire for me and to get that. And there was much more than just writing a book. It was like getting my, that, that out, you know, of, uh, mm-hmm. so I could share it with other people and just, um, and just an expression. It was just an expression of me. So again, most of the time our desires are really, are, are really meant to be expressions like that we want to come out. Right. It's our soul. Yep. 
it can be to. in the form of material goods too, and that's fine. But ultimately, there's some kind of deeper purpose there where you want to, you know, for me, like being seen and heard, you know, and, but I had mm-hmm. to do that for myself first, right? Uh, for other people to see and hear me. And so, uh, so it's like, it's really acknowledging those, those deeper purposeful desires, right. And getting to the heart of that, you might not get there right away. You might have to go through the, so other, other stuff to, to get to the heart of it, but it's a process. So just be patient with it and enjoy the ride. Right. Because that's really what it's all about. You know, when we're looking at desires, it's, it's not, it should, you know, this is another point to actually, um, there's a really great book called a pocket, let's see, um, a pocket full of a happy pocket full of money, I think is oh, what I've never called. heard of that one. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And, um, anyway, they talk about the difference between the word want and the difference between the word desire and, a want is a more kind of a scarcity mode kind uh, kind of word. I think is how he described it. And want, if you if you feel the energy of the word want, you're feeling like neediness. Come on, right? I know I do. But if I think about using the word desire instead, it's not as like pressing, right? Oh, this is, gosh, this is a deeper like sensual thing to desire yeah it has more emotion right? yeah yeah deeper. and you can mm-hmm. hold space for that right wow it's true so that's the difference and that's even even mm. tapping more into the feminine as well because you're you're just getting present with those parts of yourself you know the the less hustling deep you know getting neediness parts and moving more into the the calm like knowing yourself uh you know being uh, a regal, you know, being uh, just really happy, joyful, blissful, and knowing that an inner knowing that your desires, because you're acknowledging them and you're taking the action steps that they will come, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you just said that about your desires, but then taking the action steps, you know, that's the, that's, and that's, and that's the piece that a lot of people miss, you know, they're just kind of like visualizing and doing their vision boards and, you know, meditating on the law of attraction. And I see myself, you know, with it, but it's like, you know, the saying, the Quaker saying, pray and move your feet. You know, you've got to do both, right? You can't just do one. I know. Like I did this too. Like my teacher, one of my coaches that I hired for, to help me with my speaking career He's like, well, ultimately, you got to just speak. You just got to go speak. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you there can't you just talk about speaking all the time. Uh-huh. You got to go do it. And I'm like, you're yeah. right. Okay. So let me do that then. So, it, yeah. So it's like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of becoming, but then you have to acknowledge, okay, I'm, I have become, you know. Now I the am, doing. I yeah. am there. Well, you know, what's funny for me being living mostly in my masculine, my problem was the reverse of a lot of people. I had too much doing. I had too much action without pausing and reflecting and going within and feeling, what are my desires? You know, what do I really, really want? I didn't even ask those questions. I just did what I thought I should be doing and supposed to do. And I was always the good girl. I like to refer to myself as a reformed people pleaser, you know, that, but it it got me into a lot of trouble. I lived the first half of my life that way. And that's why I'm so grateful. I'm now still alive and able to live the second half of my life more inner directed 
you know, more, more like not worrying so much. I mean, and, and then it's hard, probably you're in the same position. A lot of us that are in holistic health, we really want to help and serve people because most of us have, have felt the benefits of it and how much it's changed our whole life. So we want to share it with people, but then we get on this big service kick and we lose that whole sense of taking care of ourselves as well because we're trying so hard to help people. So again, I'm still learning to navigate my self-care from, you know, doing all the things I want to do with my show and helping others and giving, giving, giving. But coming back to my inner compass of, well, what does Amy need? You know, what do I really need to resource myself? So I'm still learning that, that dance between the two. Yeah. And, and what has helped me the most, Amy, I know I can relate to that so much because I've been through that as well. I'm definitely a recovering people pleaser. And, you know, I just, I've noticed as the observer, I say, yeah, I've, I still do it on occasion. I stay, say yes to things that I don't really want to do. And then mm-hmm. I have to go back and say, actually, sorry, I'm not going to be able to do that because I don't really want to yeah. do it. Yeah. So, um, nice. Good for you. <laughs> that's, good. it's a practice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to be perfect every time. So that's part of it. But, um, and then you have to, and then it's a, also an, a, it's a, it's a, the practice of being okay with how people perceive you. That's really yes. tough, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, there's just, I think the majority of people are doers and they, and they do exactly that. They, they just keep doing things because that's what they've been taught. Not enough reflection, more projection and, and, you know, more automatic pilot. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Automatic Mm -hmm. pilot. Um, therefore you're not feeling right. You're not feeling, um, really your own inner guidance and, and really, what you, what you do desire and what, where you want to go. And, and so we just, we just end up doing things that, uh, our family did, or or we think we're supposed to do. And then we're like, we, we end up thinking, well, well, what's wrong? You know, there's something missing, right? Mm. So, um, I think the, one of the, one of the biggest things going back to what, um, some point, some, uh, some techniques I could share, Mm. Even just like for me, I've been loving getting into voice. And so for me, I was had this desire to be heard and to be seen because I was so like, I would even like, I remember somebody telling me one time, one of my guests said something about she got uncomfortable when her dog would stare at her. And I'm like, that was me. Like, I feel I would feel uncomfortable, you know, because I'd always do this like thing where I'd, I'd, uh, I, I can't really explain it. Maybe you can relate to this, but like, you, you know, try to, oh, don't see me, like, just listen to me and I'm going to try to divert your attention and not really see who I am. Right. And so um, I do this song and dance. And, and then finally I was like, what is going on here? Why didn't I want people to just see me? Because I was trying to be too perfect and I wanted people not to judge me and um, and think I was stupid or silly or weird. And then I'm like, well, actually, I am weird. And sometimes I can be a little, you know, um, dumb blonde. But like my husband kind of likes that, you know, and so it's because it's spontaneous. And I'm like, why don't I just embrace these shadow parts and not worry about it so much and, and see how people respond. And it was really great. And so you know, and so I just went with it and it's, and it's been so much better and it got me into the voice 
and I've been working on slowing my slowing my uh, pace down in my voice too because I noticed that was a technique I would use, especially when I first started podcasting, talk really fast. And the faster you talk, the less people listen to you, the more they drone you out What I, is what I've learned over the years. If you talk slow and you take a breath in between, low and slow with your breath, then people tend to pay attention because they're like, what's coming next, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they're on the edge of their seat. And this is the, this is the uh, mark of a good storyteller, right? It you know captivates people, it, it magnetizes you, you wanna know more. So this is like what I started working on and um, it feels really good because then actually people are like tuning into you. They're turn- tuning into your energy. And I'm at a point now where that's okay. I feel safe enough to be able to do that. So just even that little thing, just changing the pace of how I speak and breathing between the sentences has been a game changer as far as that goes, right? Well, I'm in big trouble then. <laughs> you know, because... I don't say that I don't talk fast sometimes. I still oh my do gosh. it. But that it's, is it's going back and not forth, me. you know, to practice. It's a practice, just like anything, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's so <laughs> That's funny. That's been really yeah. helpful for me, though, as far as being um, being seen, you know, and, and, and heard and yeah, yeah, it just, it makes it just more comfortable. And again, if, if I'm in a room full of people and they're, they're, you know, on their phone, looking at their phones, I'm still going to do the same thing. You know, it's mm. just like, it's the Allison show, you know, so whatever <laughs> you can either watch or, you know, or not. There you it's go. It's your show. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, I will say too, and I know we're getting toward the end here, but you, you said a very important word is you felt safe. And the feeling of safety is the number one requirement for mental, emotional health is we have to feel safe. We have to feel safe in order to feel our feelings. A lot of people don't go there. They, they do something I call creative distraction, just keeping themselves so damn busy that they don't have to go in and feel, uh, you know, but because they don't feel safe to feel their feelings for whatever reason, they, they might not feel like they have the ability to handle them. They don't have the resources to, to deal with them or whatever the situation might be. They might not be in a situation where it is physically or emotionally safe to feel feelings at all. But I, I'm so grateful that you mentioned that uh, part of your process was you got to the point where you felt safe in order to have your voice heard, in order to be seen, because we all need that strong foundation in who we are as ourselves to shine our light. Otherwise, we're afraid of what we're going to attract, right? We're afraid we don't have the wherewithal to withstand the criticism, the judgment, the misunderstanding, the misperception, you know, um, we, it takes, you need to have that foundation in yourself. And it's one I'm still struggling with myself. Sometimes I struggle with, you know, how successful do I really want to be? Cause I don't know if I could handle all the, the jabs and the criticism and the, you know, who does she think she is? Or I don't know, God knows what they're going to say, right? Oh, it must be nice for her, which without even knowing my life, you know, but you have to consider like, if you're putting it out there, you have to be willing to take the arrows at your back, which is a lo- reason why a lot of people don't. 
That's a really good point. And the way I like to look at that, because I used to think that that too more often than not, and that's what stifled me as well. And Mm -hmm. I realized that, again, it's that default thing. Like, are you looking at it? Are you looking at all the people that you can inspire and help as in, in sharing your essence as a gift? Because it is a gift to everybody. Uh, or are you looking at it as, you know, uh, something that's going to be judged and criticized? It's like, I would rather look Mm -hmm. at it as a gift. This is, you know, you do with it with what, you know, what people do with your gift is their responsibility. It's not my responsibility. There you go. It's not at all. You know, I'm sharing my gift with you. You do with it, whatever you would like. It's the same with the giving and receiving thing. Like you're giving someone a gift. They can either throw it away and say, what a shitty gift. Or they can say, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much. It's the difference between people who know how to appreciate something and they know how to not appreciate. You can't control that. So um, so I would just suggest to focus on what you would like to focus on. And in my case, I would more like to focus on the people who I'm giving the gift who would appreciate it more so. I love that, Allison. That is brilliant. I love it. I'm going to use that myself. And uh very sage advice. Amazing. Allison, this has been incredible. Uh, gosh, I have more and more things I wanted to talk to you about. I'm going to have to have you back on the oh, show. You can have me back when my book comes out, which is going to be in January. I was going to ask you about that. So please tell us the title. Oh, January now. Okay. Tell us the title. Tell us about the book. And Well, it's, it's called Finally Thriving. And it nice. is, it's all about what we've been talking about, really. It's about, mm-hmm. a, it's your guide to empowered wellness. So, uh, in pa- you know, I'm empowering you um, in a, you know, in a way that's going to be unstoppable, basically, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, and again, this is a gift from me to you and uh, you do with it what you like, you know, I'm giving you all the stuff, all the stuff that's worked for me, for my clients, that my experiences and my perceptions and, and, you know, and you get to do with it what you would like to. This is not like I'm telling you exactly the steps to do everything. This is you to to create your own journey. And there's also some writing prompts in there. There's ways of inter, interacting and integrating it into your life. And, and so it's a very uh, creative process. It's like taking the curiosity, um, taking your own curiosity for your health um, and turning it into a creative process, like really, because I think that's what our fitness should be about is a creative process, because that's what we're doing. Our, our life is a creative process. So why not make fitness that too, you know? Well, geez, that's a whole nother discussion we're going to have to talk about because nobody ever thinks of fitness as a creative process. I mean, that's like kind of a, a means to an end, if you will, you know, to be healthy or stay in shape or whatever, right? We don't think it. And how cool. I mean, talk about open up the the barricades of imagination. If I could think of like, how can I be creative? How fun, how fun that, you know, fitness becomes a whole new feeling, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that idea. Allison, how can people find you? Well, I, you can find me at my website, pureenergypdx.com. I have uh, Instagram, pureenergypdx as well. And uh, that way, if you get on Instagram and follow me there, you can also get on my newsletter, which will give you updates and where the, when the book comes out. That's going to be the best way to know exactly when it comes out. And let's see, I have, an, I have a podcast too, which is called Integrate Yourself. 
And, um, you know, that's a really great way to, I have some amazing guests on there. We, we explore the consciousness, metaphysical, fitness, nutrition, you know, all, all kinds of things as it relates to health. And, and again, I'm bringing the aspect of creativity and health and how, you know, creative expression is really important and looking at our health, health more creatively, cause it gets, it, it's been so boring. So why don't we just like love that, that up a bit, you know? I love that idea. I mean, as you know, from someone that's been in the industry more than half my life, I mean, I just love that idea. It brings a little novelty to the whole game, you know? start having fun again with it and start start making it like about results and and, um, not that results aren't important of course they are but it's uh again with anything that you do in life it's going to be a long-term thing so why not make it fun yeah enjoy the journey not just the destination allison you're making me want to move to oregon and just so we can be friends (laughs) i know i want to do that i we gotta like come together uh, in person at some point soon for sure Uh, absolutely absolutely and we definitely have to be back on the show when that book is ready you better hit me up i know i know the audience is going to want to hear all about it too (laughs) Uh, all right well thank you so very much for being on the show Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. It was a pleasure. Okay. And thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Check out Allison, all her places you can find her, Instagram, and get on her newsletter so you can hear about her new book coming out soon. And please write a review. I would very much appreciate it. Until next time, everybody, have a great rest of your day or night.